It's Angela Yee, and I'm telling you right now that the Alive Podcast Network app is the best directory of podcasts created for us by us. From relationships to making money moves, there's a show that'll captivate every listener. And for my fellow Black creatives, this is a call to action to take your brand and monetization to the next level. It's for the culture. Join the movement and sign up today. You can thank me later. Download the Alive Podcast app for free or subscribe for $20 for six months to experience ad-free listening. In some circles, we exist, but then people don't want to date us or we're being sought out for some kind of fetish reason. In other circles, we don't exist, period. And some Black people will say to them, you know, you're either straight or gay. And in all of this, too, you know, when we think about what people when we think about identity and like expressing who you are and your experience of awareness. So when I wake up in the morning, you know, the world tells me that I'm a black man. Also, the world tells me that, hey, if you're attracted like this, you're bisexual. Welcome to Sex and Color, the show featuring all things sex and sexual wellness from BIPOC voices in the field. I'm your host, Adriel Collins. I'm an LPC, sex therapist, coach, educator, struggling PhD student, and a self-proclaimed sex nerd. I'm also the owner of Melanin Sex Therapy in Dallas, Texas. Joining me on the show today is Ross Victory. Ross is an award-winning singer, songwriter, and author from Southern California. And he tells me that he is very excited to be on the show today to talk about his experiences as a bisexual Black man. And this is a very, very important conversation because as some of you may or may not be aware, bisexual individuals have higher suicide rates than lesbian and gay folks do. And just adding that layer of Blackness on top of it further makes the situation really hard and and really difficult. And so Ross really focuses on empowering through authenticity and his writing and his music. And I am so thrilled and honored that he is here to speak with me today. Started. So yeah. Ross, thank you so much for joining me on Sex and Color. How are you today? I'm doing very well, enjoying this rain in Los Angeles, and it's a pleasure to be on this call with you. Thank you. Thank you. So can you just kind of let people know a little bit about like who you are and your background and what you do? Oh, yeah, for sure. So I'm born and raised in Los Angeles. Um, I currently work in higher education. So I started off as a teacher in South Korea, teaching English as a second language, came back, uh, continued that, got into administration, and I'm currently in management in a university. When I'm not working, I'm still working. So I'm a (laughs) singer, songwriter, and author. Um, And I write um, a lot of different types of music. So from pop, ballads, rap. Also, some of my books are, they range from uh, non-fiction memoir um, to horror fiction. And then I also write articles a lot on, um, or a few, I have a few published articles on Medium and the Good Men Project where I talk about identity and manhood and bisexuality and religion and mental health and a host of other um, 
topics. So I stay busy for sure. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Well, I hope you are fitting in time to rest <laughs> and take care of yourself as a therapist. I'm going to recommend that. Oh yes. <laughs> oh yes. Vacation is a, so vacation is a big part of that too. So, you know, work hard, rest hard, you know, rest well, play hard. I believe in all of that. And I try my yeah. best to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what the word vacation is, but hopefully this summer, oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> hopefully this summer, um, you know, I will be able to find out what that is once more. Um, <laughs> So anyway, like I said, thank you for coming on the show. And so we are going to be talking about bisexuality and, and black men um, yeah. because I, in my practice, I see a lot of bisexual black men. And this has been something that has been coming up over the years um, mm -hmm. when I have talks with my friends about it, when I have talks with other women about it. Uh, the thing is like they won't date any man that's bisexual and um there's this whole notion that bisexuality does not exist and there's a whole lot of bi erasure especially that goes on in the black community so could you kind of speak to some of like what are like the misconceptions of bisexuality in the black community that you oh my goodness yeah what a what a big so first what a very big um question yeah and it took many, many years for me to get to a place to even talk about this calmly and confidently. Mm -hmm. So part of my, so I've been uh, bi, bisexual man, teen, you know, since I was at least 16, 17 years old when I acknowledged it. But yeah. I think um, some of what you're describing, it is very prevalent. So there's a lot of misconceptions that all exist at the same time. So it's like, in some circles we exist, but then people don't want to date us or we're being sought out for some kind of fetish reason. In other circles, we don't exist, period. And some black people will say to them, you know, you're either straight or gay. And, and all of this too, you know, when we think about what people, I don't know. So when we think about identity and like expressing who you are and your experience of awareness. So when I wake up in the morning, you know, the world tells me that I'm a black man. Also, the world tells me that, hey, if you're attracted like this, you're bisexual. So it's interesting that um, I don't know. A lot of our experiences and our feelings are, are taken away um, mm. from us through very casually, um, even on YouTube and Twitter, sometimes different videos will go viral. I don't know if you saw the one about, would you rather date a man who's cheat, or would you rather your man cheat on you or be uh, bisexual? Bisexual, yes, yeah. I saw that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and a lot of uh, the women on there uh, actually said they'd rather their man cheat on them. And I just think there's a misconceptual misconception about bisexuality. So I am around a ton of bi people. So part of my challenge as an adult has been getting into community and socializing and really giving myself permission to be right i think the misconception is there's so many ways that by and even the black man's group that i'm in there's so many ways that we show up you know there's so many types of relationships that we have there's so many ways that we love um that it's unfortunate that some of the talking points you described take 
over and like are the front of the conversation. As you're talking about that, I can't help but think of the tropes that are in there because like y'all get hit with two tropes of the hypersexual black man and hypersexual gay man, even though you're not gay, but yeah, you know, it's just, you get hit with both of those tropes of just like hypersexuality and you're not able to control your appetite. So like if you are in a monogamous relationship with a bisexual man and it happens to be with a female, female identified person, it's almost like the narrative is that you can't be satisfied with just one person you have to have more than one partner when, as we both know, that's not the case. It's like you were saying, people show up differently and as they are bisexual. But yeah, you can speak to that if you want. Oh yeah, I mean, there's monogamous men in relationships with women. There's poly people who, you know, who do um, have multiple relationships with different people. There's people in the group who have no experiences. And I think for them, it's really sad to try to get into a place to embrace their attractions and their feelings to be met with all these stereotypes, but they don't have any sexual experience, but they've identified in themselves, like, hey, I am attracted to multiple genders and I do identify as bi. And it's really, um, I mean, when in the community kind of sense, I think we're all kind of stronger together and we learn from each other. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, even in my mind, or yesterday we were talking about how do you know? And so when you're coming out by casually, people like to hit you with this question of how do you know? And I think sometimes that question, how do you know, can put the by person in this state of weight. Yeah. How do I know? Maybe I should engage in unhealthy behaviors or things that I don't want to do to prove to these people who don't care about me that I know, you know? So yeah, yeah. It, yeah, yeah. it really takes a lot of mindfulness and awareness I mean, there's men who um, are in the group who prefer men, you know, who are also bi. So I feel like there's so many different ways. And I think it's just comes down to basic education. And unfortunately, I love my black people, but it's like being slow to speak, a lot of knee jerk reactions and responses to things and really thinking through what you're saying and educating yourself about this experience, you know? Exactly, exactly. This is why I wanted to start my podcast because for that exact reason. And when I was talking to my mom about having you on, uh, she had like a lot of questions about, well, what if, you know, you marry someone who's bisexual and they start having feelings for someone else? I'm like, mom, straight people, we do that all the time. All the time. (laughs) I think that people like monogamy doesn't mean that you don't want to ever not sleep with someone or you don't ever find someone attractive. It just means you don't act on it. And so if that is what, if a monogamous relationship is what two people have decided on, then that's the context of their relationship. And like straight people cheat all the time. Um, That has nothing to do with sexual orientation. Um, So Yeah. And like, there are a lot of different like relationship structures out there that, you know, I know younger black folks, um, we are, I don't want to say seemingly more open to because Mm -hmm. some of us are, and some of us are not, but at least there's more awareness of like different relationship structures. And I think what I find where some people struggle with the whole notion of bisexuality is we are so stuck on this binary of it is either you're straight or you're gay. 
Um, right, there's right. nothing else in between. Right. And you know, what's interesting, a lot of times in the group, we talk about this binary, the whole straight or gay, and between all of the men in there, I mean, we know that there are straight men out here who are identifying as straight, but yes. they are also having sex with men, you know? Yes. So, yes, there are men who are identifying as gay. And so there's there was one share in the group where I guess this gay guy who he had like 30, like he was just consistently having sex with women and had up to like 30 women. We're like, are you, wait, so you're identifying as gay, but how does this work? So I think there's just a lot of, yeah, there's binary, there's restriction. And to your mom's point, like what if the person, um, like you're in a marriage and all of a sudden they want to explore or different things. I feel like I want to be in a relationship with someone that if I'm changing, if my environment, my like, however I'm made up is changing, I want to be able to communicate and express those things. You know what I mean? Exactly. I think, of, yeah, I think of my whoever partner as like my best friend and someone who I can come to you and say. And sometimes I think maybe for black women, the idea is that it's a man. And I think the potential of gay sex or their partner having like, well, I don't want to say gay sex, but like anal sex or that type of thing. I think yeah. sometimes that that really gets, that's a hard image to shake. Um, and they associate that with <laughs> sexuality. Yes. And that's, that's not the case. I know when I've talked to my friends, cause I've dated men who are yeah. bisexual and like, I have no issue <laughs> with it or anything like that. And so a lot of my friends who are women, they're that was that's always like the main question they would ask like how could i date someone that's bisexual and am i worried i was like worried about what like yeah <laughs> what's there to worry about and i do think it is like a lot of women struggle with the fact that their partner could possibly leave them for another man or cheat mm -hmm. on them with another man and that just it I don't know, it makes them feel like they are less than a woman or something like that. In reality, that has nothing to do with your womanhood and who you are as a woman and who you are as a person. Um, and if, especially if that is not like what the con, you know, if that's not what the relationship structure is supposed to be like, and like the person didn't come and share with you, they were having feelings and they were wanting to explore and y'all didn't come to that agreement together to open up the relationship, then that's a whole other Right, right. right, yeah. And then not all bi men are, you know, interested in the same actual sexual activities. Exactly. Too, you know, exactly. sometimes I wonder for women when they have that kind of response, I just wonder sometimes, does that restrict what they're able to experience too, or what they're able to kind of access with a partner or their own sexuality? Um, hmm. you know, Can you say more about that? Yeah, I mean, it's just kind of like, I, so I know that there are women who date by men and like there's people in the kink community who kind of like seek after us and different things to like whatever that's about. But I wonder sometimes if women want to have experienced that sexual type of freedom and that whole kind of, yeah, just freedom like a bi man would probably be the one to explore that with, because my perception is a lot of cis head men are pretty kind of, 
you know, restrictive or strict on what they think is gay in the bedroom or what they don't yeah. think or what they will do and what they won't do. So it's kind of like as a woman, when you deal with that, you're kind of restricted too, yeah. like where, where you go with your partner. And so sometimes I wonder if women are aware of that with the whole when the whole bi man conversation comes up. Yeah, I think that that's that's an interesting point. Um and I guess I can speak from my own experience. So sorry, mom, fast forward this part if you don't want to listen to <laughs> from my sex life. <laughs> no, I think that you're apps like in my experience, you're absolutely right. Um the first person I dated, um, I didn't know he was he was bisexual um until six months in. And I don't know, I did kind of feel like there was a certain freedom in our sex. Like it was more open. Nothing was really off limits. We were more communicative about like what we liked, what we didn't like. Um, That opened me up to a bunch of like different sexual experiences that I didn't know that I liked that I like. And yeah, it did come with a freedom and an openness. And I don't really see that with a lot of like cis het men um it's just you can only do certain positions do certain things don't touch me here don't touch me there don't even look at me there and yeah, yeah. yeah. so i think there you're out i think you're right like at least in my case like you're you're right and i get what you're saying um yeah about- and that's hard then i mean that part is hard for black men i mean it's hard to express and to communicate too right so it's mm-hmm. kind of like how do we even broach this without someone thinking something that we're not and Mm -hmm. we typically don't get permission to do so like we started off this call with you know being black and bi a lot of a lot of similarities of that experience are being policed right so we Mm -hmm. want black people to show up like this you got to show up like this if you're bisexual like it has to be this type and you can't have been i don't want you talking about it i don't want you i don't want to know who your ex is it has to be like this so a lot of it is very restrictive and policed and i mean when i was younger um like i naively so i went to a therapist and was telling her how i was feeling and she was like oh maybe you're bi and so that kind of opened the door for me and i naively started sharing that with people like hey everyone like i found out what i was you know like what's what's going on like i was happy about this discovery but i quickly learned um at least with dating women and there's been actually some gay men who did not find that attractive as Mm -hmm. well but um, like that wasn't something that you shared. So my strategy at the time was to, okay, well, I'm still into you, so I'm just not gonna focus on sharing this part. But what that does, like you mentioned about erasure, that slowly created anxiety, tense obsession about myself. Yeah. Um, kind of like, what if this person finds out? And then sometimes I would just not even want to have dating experiences because I was like, I don't even know how to broach the topic. And then what if you find out? So, I mean, there was a lot of things that I had to work through between late teens and twenties, but now I'm to a place after a lot of losses, after a lot of therapy, after a lot of self-work to where, Hey, I just want to show up authentically. And then whatever that costs me, um, you know, I'm, I think I can pay. I think like that is the important thing is showing up authentically. And what 
do you need in order to show up authentically or is that contingent on someone else because you've done your work, but let's say you 10, 15 years ago, like what would you have needed to show up as your authentic self and to feel safe enough to show up and be authentic? I love that question. And I'm actually experiencing some chills because it's speaking a little bit to the inner child. I mean, I was still an adult, but it's like, I wish that I had, and I know I don't have those things, but then if I did, I wouldn't be where I am now. But I wish that I had just from a media perspective, I wish that I knew that bisexuality was valid and just normal. Maybe it's uncommon, but it's normal. I wish I could turn on the TV and see some guy confidently doing his thing. Like he went on a date with this girl, went on a date with this guy. He's happy. No one's like chastising him or uh, saying he's a vector for AIDS and all of that. Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Those are the types of things because I think a lot of bi people are listening. The ones who aren't out, quote unquote, um, you know, they listen and we hear stuff. Uh, yeah. We hear the microaggressions. You know, we hear when we go to the cookout or even to the family gathering or dinner, we hear what people are saying. So it's kind of like, ah, oh, it's not safe. So I just wish that there were more examples. And I wish my parents too, great parents. We had a stable upbringing, you know, education, everything. But I wish even them, like, I wish that they would have affirmed other sexualities because they were very traditional, very church people. I wish that they had it within them to say, hey, you know, we have a like a gay friend or a trans this or this person, you know, um, used to be married and now is with the man and he's bi. So I, I feel like I would have those experiences would have really made me healthier. Can you speak, because that was one of your books, um, yeah. you wrote a book about what it was like to come out to your father. Um, so can you speak more about that? Yeah. And so it was, um, so that during that time period, I was in South Korea and I was exploring, I guess, quote unquote, so I was bi, but I was exploring um, what it meant to be in a relationship and have this boyfriend type of thing. And so I think with my dad, it was a lot of challenge between who's a real man yeah. and then whose types of secrets are more acceptable. So actually, I didn't tell my dad that he I was bi, um, but those were internal feelings that I was exploring in that book, kind of yeah. like what what if he knew type of thing how would he react i'm more of a real man and i think that his death was actually the catalyst to put me on this path to be able to speak about it openly to be able to really solidify the work that i needed to do and sometimes you know you asked about 10 or 15 years ago you know maybe sometimes people just need that catalyst to say you know what i'm tired of living for other people and caring what they think. And sometimes it's a parent's death. Sometimes it's a loss of something that puts you on that kind of straight and narrow. But my dad was a military guy, you know, mm -hmm. all the masculine type of things. And it was very hard to coexist even internally with anything other than like straightness. Yeah. yeah, and he 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 dropped f bombs and that type of thing, and so he was shaping 
and I think some of them in that age, like they were, oh yeah, I just, I want my kid to grow up like this. I don't want them to know that this is, you know, I don't want that shit in, in my, oh, sorry for cussing, but like, oh, no, you're good. <laughs> yeah. I don't want that gay shit in my, in my house or them thinking that's okay. Hey, if they turn out to be something, then that's fine. We'll address it. But I'm going to say this, I'm going to drop this F bomb. He was very much like that, but internally it just really, yeah, it was yeah eating at me coupled with the erasure in society too. I mean, it's dark. I, I can imagine. And like, I, really appreciate what you what you're saying is sometimes as adults we are not aware of what we say and sometimes what we don't say can be just as powerful as what we don't what we do say and so if you are that little queer kid and you hear your family talk negatively about people who are queer or things that are queer or like saying like, we don't tolerate that gay shit in this house. This is the house of the Lord. We don't do that here. Or, yeah. or, or you just don't talk about it at all. Like it, that does do something to you. That does make you feel like, okay, where do I fit in? Like, I know that I am not a hundred percent straight. I know that I am having these feelings. So I just bottle that all in and I just keep it to myself and just a whole slew of anxiety and a lot of other that stuff takes a toll on you mentally, physically, and you just end up in a pretty dark space and you can end up in a pretty, pretty dark space. So I do. Yeah, and especially that. if you're, I mean, if you are a black child out here, a queer black child, I mean, it's kind of like who in the world wants you to win or supports you? And I mean, that's why the visibility part is so important to me now. I mean, even if it's just going on Instagram or making a post or putting the buy flag or doing whatever I have to do, it's the chance that someone will see that and be like, okay, because yeah. a lot of our experiences that we noticed in the group were very singular. We thought that we were the only one for like extended periods of time. So it's like when you know that you're not the only one in the world, when you know that, hey, there's a community of people that you can tap into. I think that that um, that really makes a difference. And I mean, I've had a mother reach out to me. Hey, Ross, I found something you wrote, blah, blah, blah over here. My son's by. I, I wanted to just, you know, write with you. I had some questions. I think that type of interaction makes it worth it for me. What you do helps people and it, it truly does save lives um, because it is it is a hard feeling when you feel like you are alone and you feel like you are the only person and there's nowhere you can turn to, no one that accepts you. I know I like to joke with my clients as, and tell them it seems like all Black parents, we all have the same <laughs> parents because yeah. all the stories are similar and, you know, all of these grown men are still unpacking and still trying to heal their inner child from what happened to them when they were kids and just learning how to like love themselves fully and authentically and accept themselves for who they are a hundred percent. And that's hard work, but it's beautiful when they finally get to the point that like, yeah, I'm settled. This is who I am. This is how I want to show up in the world. And, and that's okay. Yeah. And I think it's so important. And there's a lot of men doing that work. It's really hard because, you know, if you're facing like I grew up as a 
middle class, upper middle class type of environment. But if you're if you're also facing poverty and a yeah. whole bunch of other, you know what I mean, mm -hmm. violent neighborhoods, if you're facing all these things in addition to your sexuality, it is so hard. And so that's why that inkling of hope is to me for the people who want, who know that they're bi or, and are willing to identify as such, because there's people, right, who are, who don't identify. It's just kind of making sure that I'm visible um, for them and, you know, speaking towards for these experiences for, for them, for those people. Yeah. Yeah. How yeah. has, was, is dating like big for you and as just like a bisexual black man? Yeah. So now, I mean, and so I'm at a completely different place. So now I've kind of figured out and optimized my dating strategy. So <laughs> I, I have a strategy. And so it's mostly online. So a lot of the conversations start from like apps like Tinder and different things. But I always say that I'm bisexual up front and then I'm restricting my dating pools to other bi to other people who identify as bi, pan, queer. And I think that that's the best way for me, just because like, I mean, I'm fine being an educator. Like I like to read and learn about my experience, but I don't like, you want to do this shit all the time. Yeah, especially dating. Like when you're exactly. trying to find someone attractive and you're trying to do something, like I don't want that to be the focus. And I found that either with a lot of straight women, that's the focus, or I'm too afraid to broach it. And mm -hmm. even gay men, like I have been ghosted and I don't know sometimes like, okay, is it because of the bisexual thing? Like I've had people, men tell me, well, if you want a family, like, you know, I don't have a womb, so what are you gonna do? So it's the same thing, but opposite, right? So yeah. I'm thinking if I focus in by kind of circles and communities, I think that that is uh, affirming for me. And I went to a lunch actually um, early January, it was like a by New Year's event. And there was a lot of, you know, people there. And I got a chance just to hear um, by women speak about how much that they love and enjoyed and sought by men. And I felt that that was very affirming for me to know <laughs> that, you know, that's possible and you all are out there. Um, but it's really easier to get guys, honestly. I mean, if I'm keeping it a hundred, it, it's very easy. It's kind of scary how easy it is <laughs> to go out with a dude. But I think um, even by women or pan women, queer women, um, it's a little bit harder to to date them or access them for a date. But my strategy is the more kind of events and lunches and stuff that I go to and can show up, you know, as myself, yeah. I think the better that it will be because that part of the conversation won't be something creating so much anxiety for me. And I think the most of the anxiety comes around the woman part because you want to be seen <laughs> As you know, most men like, you know, like I want to like I'm a man and yeah. I think that it's really hard to even contemplate. Oh, shit. Like, what is she going to think? Is she going to use this against me? Is she going to weaponize me? Am I going to be emasculated? Yes. Those types of things. So, you know, and that's still work that I'm working through to do. But when I see other men in affirmative relationships, either even with straight women, I mean, like I, there's bi guys in 
healthy relationships with straight women. I'm like, okay, so that is, um, you know, it is possible. That was was one of the things I was I was speaking to one of my former clients about. There, they were asking like, are there straight women that date by men? And I am a straight woman that dates by men. And so, yes, we do exist. Um, yeah. But I think <laughs> you do. Yeah. <laughs> I think, you know, but for me, I can say like, I've, I've had education, like my whole career and, and job is like human sexuality. So like, I believe that sexuality exists on the spectrum and all that good stuff. And so I do think like the woman has to like have done some work or be a little bit educated because a lot of the stuff that I hear women talk about when it comes to why they won't date bisexual men, like it's just it's ignorance for lack of a better word. And like, I, I get that. I don't even like to say like it's preference because no, I'm just going to call it what it is. It's, it's ignorance. And it is, is. I mean, call it what it is. (laughs) Okay. I'm going to call it what it is. We will call a spade a spade around here. (laughs) But I think like, you know, you setting yourself up, to meet people in spaces that are going to affirm you until like you do do like the work on yourself around like the mass like the what you were saying about being um about a woman possibly using it against you i think the more that you can set yourself up for success the more you can set yourself up for people around you who are going to affirm who you are fully i think that that helps with self-esteem and that helps you like want to get out there and continue dating so yeah yeah Yeah. and there's still programming i'm trying to shake so all of that is what the whole patriarchal i mean all of those systems right Mm -hmm. um at play but you know, I'm I'm still programmed a little because even when I have went out with like bi women, um, and I've asked to go out, like I've always had this expectation. Oh well, Ross is gonna pay, you know. Yeah. And I remember even one girl said, "Well, you know, no, I was prepared to split the bill. Why would you think that you need to pay?" And mm-hmm. so it's still that, you know, it's still a lot of that programming. And even as hard as I work, like I'm sometimes I think like, okay, if I have, if I'm put together in my career and my passion projects and all these things, and I got my car and my apartment, you know, this makes me more a, a desire. It's like, if you're by, at least you are like, you have the money and all this stuff that you can kind of compensate. So there's still things that mm-hmm. I'm working through to try to just give myself permission to like breathe and be and not have to compete with like, you know, heteronormativity. Exactly. Exactly. Because yeah. that is all rooted in white supremacy anyway. And- anyway, let's <laughs> right. I mean, it's all white supremacy anyway and capitalism. So that's exactly. all it is. <laughs> Which is like the cousin of white supremacy. So, or maybe the parents of white supremacy. Yeah. So. <laughs> we have to free ourselves from that. And, you know, I, I am so glad that you are doing the work and you are visible and you are helping others do their work as well. Because I think, especially around therapy, especially around like sexuality, the more visibility I feel like people see black men do and people feel, see and hear black men speak about I think that just invites more conversations and that invites more curiosity for 
people who are looking at those messages and receiving those messages. So thank you. Thank you. And I mean, thank you for opening the door for the conversation. And, you know, I read your article, your article was shared in our group, actually, not by me, by someone else, I think in January, whenever you put it out. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, your the content does have legs, it reaches who it needs to reach. And my advice just to any kind of man out there, it's like, of course, you don't have to come out and you can come out on your own terms and stuff. But it's like, what if you choose yourself first? What if you give your chance an opportunity for community to know that you're normal and get a chance to breathe and relax? What type of life and situation is possible for you? I mean, that's just the question. And I feel like it can be a lot better. Uh, well, I think that that is a good spot to end it. Yes. Just what if y'all allowed yourselves to breathe and be authentic and show up as your authentic selves. Ah, I love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ross, can you let people know where they can reach you at if they have any questions or they want to follow you? Absolutely. So Instagram is probably my main. So Instagram and Facebook, Ross Victory. Um, and then my handle on Instagram is Ross Victorious. And then also, if you're interested in any of my books or music, rossvictory.com and then also that links to my linkedin for any type of higher ed conversations thank you so so much for coming on the show today this was a really great conversation um i learned a lot i'm sure when my mom listens to this she will also <laughs> learn <laughs> shout out mom you were mentioned a lot uh, <laughs> yeah and give yourself permission to you know and i feel and i took like a lot of us to I have to give a lot of grace because my mom and, you know, I know we're wrapping up, but just yeah. to kind of put that icing. I mean, I give my mom even a lot of grace with the topic because it's hard for her to observe, absorb like this is not what she intended for, you know, her her son. But it's I give grace. People are on their own journeys and their own timelines. And we owe ourselves that grace, too. Yes, 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 yes. yes. <laughs> Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Have a good rest of your day. You too.
All right, sexperts, that's a wrap for today's episode of Sex and Color. Don't forget that I am now part of the Alive Podcast Network and you can subscribe for ad-free listing. New episodes drop every Tuesday and you can also follow me wherever you get your podcasts. Also, follow me on Instagram at Melanin Sex Therapy. And thank you so much for listening. Until next time, I'm Adriel, and this has been Sex and Color.